Uh, well, one thing that I like to do is uh, I like to hike. Uh, and I like to go hiking. And I don't get much chance to go hiking anymore, but when I was younger, I used to hike all the time. One of my favorite places to go is Rock State Park. Um, and I love to go to Rock State Park, and what I'll do, I'll, uh, um, I'll park on, a rock, on Rocks Road, and for those of you who've been that, that's like a real windy, busy road, and there's a parking lot down there. And I'll park there, and then I'll start to hike up, and I'll go to a place called the King and Queen uh, Seats, and there's these big rocks, and you can see like almost the whole of Harford County from there. And then I'll just go through the woods and hike, uh, hike through the woods. And, and one thing that I do, I always make sure I have a backpack with some things in there, just in case, you know... I, I need like a survival kit. And one thing I always pack, I always pack band-aids because I always get blisters. And I'm like the biggest wuss in the world. My feet are like like soft and like girly feet. And so I always get blisters. And so I always pack blisters. I'll always make sure I pack a coat just in case it gets cold. Um, I'll pack some uh, a, a drink and then I'll pack some, some maybe fruit and some, uh, some other food or maybe a candy bar. Um, and then I'll, I'll pack maybe a, a, a book or a journal. So maybe when I'm up there, I'll get inspired and I'll write down and I'll put them a backpack and I start walking up. But one thing that always happens to me when I start hiking is a song comes to my mind and it's a song that was sung, I think it was like in the 80s or early 90s and it was by a band called The Pretenders and they sang a song called I Would Walk 500 Miles and so I could always see myself, I'm just like hiking like this and I'm like singing, I'm not going to sing it for you this morning but I'm always like I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more and then it says just to be that man who walks a thousand miles to fall down that should do. And that, that's the song, and I, I'll just always just start singing that. But it kind of stuck in my mind this morning because uh, last week we talked about how every one of us has a mission in life. And that we should start to understand what that mission is in our life. And we should start going towards that mission. And when things come, that our focus should be that mission in life. And I believe that every one of us has a mission and we're on this journey of life. And, and, uh, and as I was thinking about this, this song, I was thinking, it says, and I would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more. And so often in life, I don't know how you, how you feel, but sometimes I feel that like on my journey of life, I've walked 500 miles, and I look ahead, and it's like, oh my word, there's like 500 more miles to go. And it's like this, this, the, the, this mission and this journey of life, it, just, it doesn't get easier, it gets, it gets harder. And I believe every one of us has this mission on our lives. And for those of you this morning, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, I believe that that means that God has in fact established a journey and a path for you to walk in. Actually, in fact, Psalm 37 and 23 says this. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So God directs every step and he delights himself in every detail of your life. So if this is the case, if God has directed our steps, then life should be a breeze, right? Yeah? Life should be easy. Everybody should be happy. We should be prosperous. We should have no problems in life because God has already established the path that we should be walking in, right? Well, the reality is, it's not exactly like that. 
Even though God has ordered your steps, I believe it's going to take a lifetime for you to get there. And along the way, along the journey of life, there are many dangers, there are temptations, there are pleasures, there are trials, there are heartaches, and there is pain all along the way. And if you are ever going to make more out of your life than just blending in with everyone else, then seasons in life will come and those seasons will be tough and those seasons will be hard in your life. If you want to find out what Jesus says is a full life, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. If you want to know what that full life is, then you are going to need more than just a good heart and a bit of courage. And I've understood that over the last like three or four years in my life. Uh, I've had a good vision for my life, a good heart, and I've had a bit of courage. But life is, if you want to succeed in life, you're going to need so much more than that. And so today, I want to give you five survival tips, if time allows. Five survival tips or five items that you need to pack in your backpack So that you can walk 500 miles and then you can walk 500 more. And so we're going to look in this backpack today and we're going to see five things that every one of us needs to pack in our backpack so that we can succeed on the journey of life. And so the first thing that that we have here is what I call our textbooks. Our textbooks. So we've got some textbooks here, and this is one that I use a lot, and uh, it's very confusing and, uh, and, and hard to understand, but sometimes I read it. And then this is another one of my uh, uh, textbooks, it's my Kindle, and what it basically means is it's books that I read. And, and the reason I say this is because we need textbooks in our lives, because in order to survive in our journey of life, everybody needs to keep learning. Everyone needs to keep learning. People who think that they know it all are often the first to fail. You know, in the church world, there's people who start brand new churches. Kind of like we came up with this crazy idea, hey, let's start a church. And uh, over two and a half years ago, we started this church. Well, the statistics show that most people who start churches, within three years, that church has failed and closed its doors. And the percentage within five years, 85% of those churches have closed their doors. Now that's a huge, huge number. And I believe the reason that they close their doors isn't because the leader was useless, isn't because the person didn't know anything, didn't because, isn't because the person wasn't talented or didn't have a great worship band or didn't have incredible lights and wonderful kids programs. But I believe the majority of those close their doors is because people stop learning. And the reason I say that is because, and and I can say it because I was there at one point. A lot of church leaders think they know everything. They think they know everything. It's like college graduates. I'm sorry if you're a college graduate or if you're in college. But people are in college kind of like, and I was the same. I was like that. But they kind of run me the wrong way because they think they know everything about everything. Well, the reality is, is you may think you know everything in your head, but actual life is very different. And because actual life is very different, many people quit along the way. 
And maybe God has given each of you a journey or mission in life. And you're trying to do something in your life. And because you're not learning, when problems come your way, you just don't know how to deal with them and you quit. A person who keeps learning is a person who won't quit when they are clueless. And whatever journey you are on, whatever mission you find yourself following, always keep on learning. Always keep learning. You know, Proverbs 18 verse 15 says this. It says, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are always open for knowledge. So if you want to be intelligent today, keep learning. Keep learning. You know, there was a church that the Apostle Paul helped start. It was in a place called Berea. And the people in the church were called the Bereans. I mean, they were really creative, weren't they? You know? But they were called the Bereans. And the Bereans had a knack for learning. This is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 17 and verse 10. It says, That very night the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. The Bible said they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. So here we have, we have this church in Berea called the Bereans. And the Bereans were open-minded people. Basically, there were people who realized they didn't know everything about everything. The Bible refers to that they were more open-minded than the people in Thessalonica, which was another city that Paul was in. Obviously, those people thought they knew everything about everything. Well, these Bereans didn't. And the Bible says that they studied the Scriptures day and night. They had a love to study. These were like your full-time career students. Like my brother, I believe he's a career student. He's like 26 this year, and he's still in college. He's doing his second undergraduate. He's about to go into his master's, and I don't think the boy's got any direction for his life but stay in college. And, and this is like the Bereans. They just love to study. But the Bible says that when Paul and Silas, Silas was Paul's friend, they came and preached to them. They preached the word of God. The Bible says that the Bereans listened to everything they said. They took notes and then they went away and then they studied the Bible to make sure what they were hearing was correct. These people never stopped learning. They checked the scriptures for truth. And they decided that they didn't know everything about everything. And if you want to survive in life, if you want to survive on the mission that God has for you, then you should always carry a textbook. And then you should buy new textbooks. You should always keep learning. So whether God has designed for you to start a business or God has designed for you to become an incredible parent or if God has designed for you to go into a new career or, or maybe to become a missionary, whatever it may be, or a pastor or a leader in the church, whatever it is, don't stop learning. Always keep learning. The second uh, uh, survival piece that we need or piece we need in our backpack to survive is what I call the value system. The, the value system. 
this is kind of my value system, and I'm not getting super spooch on you, but this was like one of my very first Bibles that I ever had. It's like the King James Bible, and I'll be honest, a lot of the stuff in here I don't understand very much myself because it's written in language I don't understand. But I know that when I was young, after reading this, I started creating a value system for myself. And what I mean by that is that I started identifying the things that I value in life. And then when things would come in my life that would come against these values, I would hold them up against those values. And so the next piece of survival is that I believe that every one of us should create a value system in our lives and then we should stick to it. Every one of us has values in our lives. Whether you know it or not, things that you hold to your heart. The problem for for most people on a mission or on a journey and they're trying to get somewhere is that they don't really understand what their values are. And then a, a situation will come or an opportunity to fall into temptation or compromise and it will compromise one of their values. And when your values have been compromised, you will fail in your journey. The Apostle Paul, he he had a few values. And you read his letters and you see all these different values that he had in his life. And one of them is found in Acts chapter 17 and verse 16. It says this, it says that while Paul was waiting for his friends in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. So Paul had this, this, this value. And the value was this. The value was, was that he believed that anybody should only worship the Lord God, Jehovah God. And he was in a place called Athens. Now at the time, Athens was this pagan place. Athens was full of all these other gods and, and people worshipping all these gods. And people had all these idols everywhere. And Paul could have just brushed it to the side and thought, well... This is the culture, this is the place that, that they're in, and, and, and I'll ignore it. But that wasn't Paul. Paul saw these idols, and they, and they worked against his value system because he valued worshipping only one God. And Athens moments happen all the time in our lives. Whether we're at work, whether we're at school, whether we're out with our friends or we're at home or we're dealing with our kids. Athens moments happen all the time for us. Something will come along that will be against our value system in life. And if we're not careful, we can fall prey to that. And if we fall prey to that, then our mission and our journeys in life will probably fail. So we got textbooks. we got a value system. The next piece of survival kit that we need on our, on our journey of life, on, on, on this mission that God has for us, is, is what I call keeping real friends. Now, here's a phone. And I'm really bad at talking with people on the phone. If any of you have had the wonderful opportunity of talking with me on the phone, you know I probably don't spend very long on the phone. I'd rather text, I'd rather email, or I'd rather meet in person. But I have a lot of friends, real friends, who live a long, long way from here. And it is not possible to meet them in person and texting costs 20 cents a text to text them because they're abroad. And so I've realized that it's cheaper to contact them by phone. 
What I've realized is that the more time we spend away from people, the more they, re- that they don't understand what's going on in our lives. And I've realized the more and more time I spend on this journey of life, chasing the things that God has for me in life, the more I realize I need to stay connected with my friends. Because we need to keep real friends. I remember when we started this church, I really felt that God spoke to me, and he spoke this. I really felt God says that you need people alongside you, people who believe in you, and people who believe in your mission. One out of two isn't good enough. And I wrote it down, and I remember, uh, and I've kept hold of that. And I honestly believe that we need people in our lives, real friends who believe in us as a person, but also believe in the place that God has taken us as individuals. Let's take a look at what happened with the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 1, it says, Then Paul left Athens after he had preached to all these people about how idols were wrong in their lives. It says, Then Paul left Athens and went to a place called Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born to Pontius, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. So Paul goes to this place called Corinth, and he meets this couple, Aquilia and Priscilla. And they become friends. They hit it off. They, they start to eat together, enjoy times together, invite each other uh, around each other's homes. And then they realize they're in the same business. They both make tents. And so they join their businesses together. And then Aquilia and Priscilla invite Paul into their home. And suddenly this friendship is sparked. And what we find, we find that throughout the, the, the letters that Paul wrote in the Bible, you can go through lots of different letters, you will see this couple, their name come up again and again, Aquilia and Priscilla. And what we find is that they became real friends of the Apostle Paul. And what they did is, is uh, that they, didn't just, they weren't just like Facebook buddies, and they weren't uh, just people who text each other. But there were people who embraced each other's mission in life. They were there for each other. They supported each other. And the Aquila and Priscilla became Paul's true friend. They supported him when, they need, when he needed it. They believed in him. They continued his work when he wasn't around. They were true friends. And the truth is, unless you are making true friends, and what I mean by true friends, Friends that will challenge you. Friends that will help you make good choices. Friends that think you are amazing, but will tell you when your breath stinks. And friends who will be by your side no matter what goes in your life, unless you are making those friends, or you have those friends in your life. And if you want to do anything for God, if you want to make anything better than what your life is right now, then you're going to fail. Do you know why you're going to fail? Because loneliness is the biggest killer of dreams that there are. Loneliness is the biggest killer of dreams that there are. And I don't know where you're at today. Maybe people don't understand, but maybe you're just lonely. Maybe you feel that you don't have any real friends. 
I encourage you, try all you can to make real friends. Maybe pick up the phone and start calling an old friend who you knew who was always there for you. Because friends will either make you or they will break you. And if you suffer loneliness, then your dreams will probably be killed. If you pursue a mission in life, if you want to be a somebody more than just a seat filler for Jesus Christ, there will come a point in your life where loneliness will attack and loneliness will destroy. You know, we've been on this church planting journey for, for, nearly, for three years now. And throughout these three years, there have been times where there have been great times and we've just seen God do wonderful things and we've been excited. But there's been those times where loneliness has struck in. And all I wanted to do is just pack it all up and just quit. And it's happened many times in my life, not just in church planting life. It happened before when I was a, past, a staff pastor at a church. Even before that, when, when I was back in the UK, I was working. There was times when life just got too much. And because there was no one else around me, I just wanted to quit. And I've realized, and I'm realizing more and more each day, how important it is to have real friends around you. So that you can continue in the mission that God has for your life. So we've got textbooks. We've got a value system. We've got real friends. The fourth thing that that I believe that we need to add in our lives is what we call common sense. Common sense. When I go on a hike, these are the things that I take. Like gauze pads and skin closure kits. I mean, like the ultimate, if I get a cut or if I get a bruise, then I'm sorted. Why? Because it's common sense to do so. I know I get blisters on my feet. And it's common sense for me to take band-aids with me if I'm going to go walking anywhere. The problem is, it's so often when we are so mission-focused, so driven by what we want to do in life, we can often leave common sense behind. And I believe if there is a riot going on, then the best thing to do is to get out of the way. Let me show you what I mean. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul has found himself in a place called Ephesus. It says, about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. The way was the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was this group of Christians who were going around preaching. They called them the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith, who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together along with others employed in some similar trades and addressed them as followed. And this is what he said. Gentlemen, you know our wealth comes from this business. but But have you seen or heard this man Paul? He has persuaded many people that handmade gods are not really gods at all. So what we've got here, we've got a situation. The city of Ephesus, if you've ever seen pictures or if you ever have the opportunity to go to Ephesus, then go. It's the most wonderful place in the world. It's all these ruins. But the city of Ephesus was this huge, big, it was like the New York City of the day. It was where everything went on. And uh, there was all this, uh, there was theater, there was trade, there was the largest, one of the largest libraries in the world there. And it was situated about one mile from the temple of Artemis. The temple of Artemis was one of the, was one of the um, seven wonders of the ancient world. 
And all there is left now, there's these just like pillars. Well, what it was, it was this place where people from all over the world would come to worship a goddess called Artemis. And the people of Ephesus made a lot of money out of these people. What they would do is they, they would get their craftsmen and their silversmiths and their blacksmiths and they would make these statues. And then they would set up like this marketplace outside the temple. And then people would come and they would sell these idols to these people. And they made a whole lot of money. Then the Apostle Paul comes to Ephesus. And the Apostle Paul comes and he starts to preach and tell people that it is wrong to worship idols. And you should only worship one God. The God Almighty. Suddenly, almost overnight, recession hits. And these people do not like what is going on. And you've got all these businesses that are going out of business because of what Paul is saying. So Paul is kind of on his mission doing what he thought God had designed him to do. And then in Acts 20, in verse 28, it says this. It says, At this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the, of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, which was this big theater in, in, in Ephesus, dragging along Gaius and Architreus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. So they've dragged, well, they've done all these people, they've come into this amphitheater, and they've dragged Paul's friends in. Then it says Paul wanted to go in too. But the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, uh, friends of Paul, sent Paul a message to him, and they begged him not to risk his life by entering into the amphitheater. Inside the people were all shouting, someone or or something, and everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know where they were. And then it goes on, and, and basically, they're basically calling for Paul's life. So what we've got here, we've got Paul who was on a mission, and Paul's mission was to spread the good news of Jesus all throughout uh, a place called Asia Minor, which is all throughout Turkey and Greece. Paul is on mission. Paul is thinking about his mission. And now the whole city is gathered in this big amphitheater. And what is going through Paul's mind is like, wow, I can preach to all these people at one time. I can tell all these people about Jesus Christ. But the reality was, if Paul had gone into that amphitheater, there would have been a lynching and they would have taken Paul's life. And the good thing is that Paul had friends. And Paul's friends said, do not go into that amphitheater, for they will kill you. And what I've discovered is that not everyone will support your mission in life. Your God-designed journey. And this is where common sense prevails. Not every opportunity in your life is a good one. And you need to weigh whether something is good or bad by common sense. There is always a time to go and follow your mission. But there are often times to stay and retreat and rest and stay quiet. Some things that come into our lives, some opportunities are just a distraction. And they're intended to kill your mission like they're intended to kill Paul. 
And I'm thankful that Paul listened to common sense. And so often in life, and I see this with, with, with people who are very ambitious. They leave common sense behind. They think that their, their mission is so important. Maybe they're building a business or even trying to start a church. And, and, and they're going 100 miles an hour. But what they realize is they're not giving to their family that they ought to give to their family. And common sense is just going out of the window. So on your mission in life, when, when, you're, when you're packing your, your backpack to go on the journey of life that God has for you, then always pack some common sense. Don't leave common sense. The very last thing that I believe that you need to pack on your journey of life is faith. Never leave faith at home. What this little book is here, it's my journey of faith. I don't like to journal. I'm not a journal. I'm not a diary person. But one thing I've discovered, that every time that I feel that God gives me a promise... I write it in this little book. And this book is full of promises that I believe that God has given me. You know, I believe it is impossible to please God without faith. If you don't have faith, it's impossible to please God. We're told that in the Bible. And faith is a daily action that we choose to take. Faith is just not a one-time step. But faith is the daily walk of living a life for Jesus Christ. And there will always be faith destroyers that come your way. And so I'm a big believer in writing down the promises that God has for you. Because there will come a time where your faith will be low. And when you start to read the promises of God and the promises that God has given you, it will be like energy supplements that will just lift and boost your faith. I want to give you one more story this morning and then we'll be done. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching with them. And since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted by many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on, a young man named Icarus sitting on the windstill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell asleep and dropped down three stories to his death. This is one of those stories that kind of make me chuckle in the Bible. I shouldn't really chuckle at somebody dying, but I could just imagine it. Paul is so focused on his mission that he's with these believers and he's preaching and he's preaching and he's preaching and he's preaching and he's going long and long and long and he's preaching till midnight. And they're in a room that's really dark and it's got some lamps and everyone's getting tired, everyone's getting drowsy, but Paul doesn't see that. He just keeps preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. And then suddenly there's this guy and you could just imagine this like, this punk of a teenager who really just really doesn't want to be there, but you know, He's sitting on the windowsill and he's falling asleep and suddenly they hear this bang and this yell and then suddenly they look out and this young man is dead on the floor. If there was anything that would crush someone's faith, I think it would be this. I think Paul is thinking this. Maybe he's not, but maybe I would. I'd be thinking, God, I'm doing all this for you. 
I'm giving up my life for you. I'm going through all these trials. I'm going from town to town. But yet this young boy dies when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Is this what it comes to? Is this what the life of faith is all about? Just trouble and death? But Paul, I think, didn't think like that. Instead, Paul was a man of faith and he remembered the promises of God. And this is what happened. It says there in verse 10, it says, Paul went down and bent over him. He took him in his arms and he yelled, don't worry, he's alive. Then they all went upstairs and shared in the Lord's Supper and he ate together. Paul continued talking to them until dawn and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home unhurt and everyone was greatly relieved. Paul remembered the promises of God and this is what the promises of God were. That you will do, Jesus says, you will do greater works than me. He says that if someone is dead, you will raise them to life. That's kind of a crazy promise, that if someone's dead, you will raise them to life. But I believe that Paul held on to the promises of God. and Paul did not let his faith waver. And so instead of just thinking, oh no, that's it, take him to the hospital, the night's over. Paul went down. He didn't even flinch. He picked up the boy in his arms. He probably prayed a quiet prayer and the boy came back to life. I mean, it's the most amazing story ever. But what amazes me even more is that Paul, then, instead of just saying, okay, praise the Lord, let's go home, Paul continues to carry on preaching. I'm thinking, haven't you got the point by now? Everybody is tired. But Paul was so focused on his mission. He remembered the promises of God. And so... If you're going on a journey in life, if you want to be something better than what you currently are, if you want to fulfill the God-given mission that God has for you, then you need to pack textbooks and keep learning. You, you need to create a value system and hold on to that value system. You need to keep real friends and find real friends and connect with real friends. You need to pack some common sense and you need to not leave faith at home. You know, most people never reach their full potential. They never see the end results of what God wants to do in their lives. And it's not because they're losers. It's not because they're lazy. It's not because they don't have ambition or want to do things for God. Because most people do. But most people fail because they don't know how to survive. And here we've got five essential pieces of equipment that we can see through the book of Acts that we should put in our backpack on this journey of life, this mission that we go on. And so today, for each of you, I challenge you and I encourage you. When you go home today, throughout this week, start to think of the things that you need to do in your life so that you can survive the journey that God has taken you on. Maybe you need to go home and learn more about the things that concern you in your life. Maybe you need to go and read some books. Maybe you need to go Google a few things. Maybe you need to go home and you need to write down your values because you know there's some things in your life that, that, that are compromising your values. So you have a way of measuring things in your life. 
Maybe you need to go home and, and, and you need to start to connect more with your friends, your real friends. Not fake friends, but real friends. People who will help you on that journey. Maybe you need to just start thinking with a little bit more common sense than ambition. And maybe you need to start looking at the promises that God has given you in your life and stand up in faith and walk that journey of faith so you can fulfill the mission that God has for your life. Let's pray.